Welcome back, everybody. You are listening to The Downing Family. If that doesn't want to make you go, if that don't want to make you go, I think that is the correct way of uh, stating that one right there. We've had, uh, <laughs> so we've had basically <laughs> nothing, no piece of equipment in our studio this morning that has functioned. Yeah. And it's a miracle that we are on air right now, so praise God for that. But let's pray that we continue to be on air. I kind of get this feeling, Minnie, that we need to take our system that is here in the office because this is kind of, I feel like a broken record. We're having technical difficulties. We need to take our system. We need to take it outside. We need to throw it in a rubbish bin. We need to pour petrol on top of it. We need to burn it. We need to burn the rubbish bin. We need to burn everything associated with it. We need to scatter the ashes on the Dead Sea. And start over. There you go. That's, that's Lala full, that's, that's in favour of my full rant. annihilation. <laughs> that's my rant for this morning. <laughs> yeah, it has been pretty niggly this morning. We haven't had anything really at all that has been working. So thankfully no. we're on though. Thank you, Jesus, because we weren't too sure we'd be on at all. Phone system not working. Internet not working. Hotspot not working. <laughs> desk not working. Computer not working. Um, headsets not working. That's... Yeah, I think that's most of what we didn't have working this morning. But you know what? We're thankful probably, that we are on. Yes, we are on. That's We're right. on air. Let's yes. take the positive <laughs> and run with it. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. Okay, so in some positively different news, former prisoners have been turning salvaged construction site garbage into beautiful furniture, recycling both talent and material. So it's a company called Former. Um, it's started up by one man, um, Sasha Plotis. Oh, my days. Anyway, Mr. P, I'm going to call him. <laughs> um, but basically, he has hired six ex-convicts and designed 10 clever pieces of home furniture, such as a coat rack, a laptop desk to use while you're on the couch, tables with tech filters built into them. So he is a car- uh, California-based industrial designer, and he was hired to design a dispensary, which from what I understand was for not uh, the greatest of legal purposes. Um, and so it was closed down by the federal government. And through the process, he understood firsthand the percentage of nonviolent drug offenders that are in prison. And he saw that there's quite a failed war on drugs and what that has looked like and how difficult it can be for those with convictions to get their life back on track. So in an attempt to tackle waste... Um, and also the amount of people who were kind of going back into their, their prison system. He started regularly phoning contractors and asking if he could stop by, dig through their construction garbage, and at the same time has been employing people, particularly those from prisons, with woodworking shops. Um, he said it's been quite a process and it can be difficult to keep his workers on staff, but there are still some success stories. And I think it's just a great idea, you know, like I've often driven past construction sites. I'm like, oh, I wonder what they do with all that stuff. Often not that much, and he's trying to make a difference, you know, in these guys' lives who are coming out, who have these skills. You're continuing to build these skills from what you've been doing in prison, so it's not just something that you did back then, but it's something that can go back into the community. I actually think it's just really nice working with woods. Like, it's just nice doing something with your hands. Absolutely. Something you, practical. You, you, you are dressed for it today. <laughs> I, Minnie has come to the studio ready to work today. I So when Renee and I were on the radio together, she made the comment that she's like, man, you need to go be a tradie lady. I was like, oh, don't tempt me. I'm, I'm so close to leaving uni to do it. <laughs> <laughs> Minnie's got the high-vis shirt on today. She is ready to go. and oh, uh, the best. I don't know, grab a saw, grab a piece of wood and just start it's cutting so stuff satisfying. up. It's <laughs> so satisfying. And I do love a good high-vis, got to be honest. 
I just think they should. They need to just be all one color, though. They have the half, like, navy thing going on. I'm not about that life. Give me the full, like, highlighter effect. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Mini is all about brightening your life oh, and everybody so else's. Good. Well, people always know who you are. This is true. This is true. This is true. Um, in another story, a woman in Invercargill, New Zealand, she has created a six-week program for kids to get them active and she's incorporated a virtual adventure. So Kim Harvey introduced this uh, program last year. Thousands of kids have been trying it out. And the goal has been to inspire the kids, uh, the students she works with, to focus on fitness instead of Fortnite. So Fortnite, I believe, is some sort of, I don't know if it's a video game. Yeah, it's a game. Something like that. Uh, but basically, you're indoors, you're doing stuff. But the idea of a young and healthy virtual adventure couples the idea with um, students creating this avatar character that can go around on this program to different countries online um, in this virtual. But to be able to do this traveling with your character, you have to meet a whole bunch of requirements um, in actual fitness. So it's like, okay, how much water have you drunk? How many fruits and veggies have you had? How many... Uh, how much exercise have you done? To, are you getting enough sleep? Have you had not too much screen time? And you have to record all the data in and then collectively as a class, um, it allows you to either move forward or do nothing at all. So basically the gamification of good health. Yes. I like it. Yes. And so, you know, one of the students kind of said, oh, yeah, we landed, well, you know, in their virtual tour, we landed in Shanghai and then we had to do like 100,000 steps to get to Hong Kong. You know, so it meant that as a class they all had to... If you um, can get to Shanghai... From Shanghai to Hong Kong with 100,000 <laughs> steps, you're doing really well. Those are large steps. Yeah. but um, And, yeah, and they've just said that they've seen there's been a lot of success with this. Um, so it's encouraged them to want to work up the data as soon as possible. Most students have imported, uh, reported spending 30 minutes less screen time every day. Um, they drank more water. So that went from 19% of students up to 66% of students. Um, a third more students than previously were eating more fruits and vegetables. And they're going to continue rolling it out this year. So it only started last year. And I think it's a pretty, it so far seemed to be a pretty effective way of getting the students not just to know the things about health, but oh, I actually read something this morning. Oh, let me find it. It was by a, I think he's an art historian. And he said that the way you teach people to learn is first delight, then instruct. And so you, we've talked about this before. You bring in play, you bring in something enjoyable. It's just easier to learn the right way of doing things. And, you know, these kids, they're going, yes, we knew that we should, you know, sleep will be on the screen list. But actually, now we're being exposed to running around and doing this and doing this. We actually enjoy it. I mean, sometimes they're like, oh, veggies aren't very tasty. But, <laughs> <laughs> but they're feeling better for it. That's right. And the reality is that the more veggies you eat, the more tasty they become. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. You know, I remember when I became a vegetarian and, you know, within six weeks, my my taste buds had changed. Yeah. My pops, my mum's dad grew up, I believe his dad was a butcher. Anyway, he grew up basically eating meat sometimes three times a day. And when he married my grandmother, the story went that she was a vegetarian and she was like, look, either I will cook every meal for you or you will cook it all yourself and not in this house. So that was your choice. Oh, nice. And, um, but, you know, yeah, like you said, just a little while in, he got to the point he just couldn't have eaten meat even if he wanted oh, to. I, I reached that point years ago. Yeah. It just, yeah. It just would, would refuse to go down. Yeah. Just couldn't. <laughs> it's like I didn't eat, it, my gag reflex kick in and that's it. I just – I it cannot enter my body. Yeah. <laughs> and that's not because I have, you know, any huge objection to it. It's just, just that it's been too long. Yeah. It's been too long. Taste buds have changed and it's never coming back. Yeah. 
Anyway, so I just think it's a great initiative. Good thing they're trying to do. Um, I have worked in schools where sometimes the kids come with all they have for lunch is a massive donut or a massive family pack of chips and that's it. I'm like, that's not enough for lunch. That's not food. And part of that is, you know, parent education. But I actually think a big part is you get kids to start nagging parents. It does a better job than teachers nagging. It just does, you know? It does. It does indeed. (laughs) Absolutely. And, uh, you know, you get – okay, so so that kind of thing, you know, in a a school kid's lunch is a lack of parenting. That's right. It's just laziness. It's just like, oh, throw this in the bag and they're out the door. Just take a little bit of effort to give Mm. your child some quality of life. Mm. But that's the thing. I know a lot of parents that they actually don't know. They should know. They should know better. But it's just been generation after generation of – not They've got no kind. idea how yeah, no what idea. horrific things that they're yeah. doing to their children by right. feeding them this kind of rubbish. But there's hope. We can try. Absolutely. Can. <laughs> Absolutely. And particularly if kids start to learn what's going on, then that's going to be the solution to our problems because they, they can then educate their parents. This is uh, Jennifer Leeser with The Refiner's Fire. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM, positively different. What's, what's on news today, Lyle? Okay, so the Victorian anti-conversion bill passed last night, as, as expected. Yeah. Um, it passed 27 votes to nine. They'll vote nine votes against it being passed. There was attempts to uh, include amendments into the bill, none of which uh, got up, so it passed as it was. Um, and so really what you've got here is the Daniel Andrews government has brought through the greatest attack on society that Australia has ever seen. Mm. This is an attack on freedom of choice. It is an attack on freedom of religion. It is an attack on freedom of speech. I have never seen an attack like this in Australia. And the thing that shocks me is the level of support that it has received within the parliament when we know that it does not have that level of support within the community. This is the kind of legislation that, you know, in 50, 60, maybe 100 years' time, we're going to look back on it with horror like we did like we do now say for instance on the eugenics policies of the 1930s in the United States and in Nazi Germany of course Nazi Germany uh, borrowed the model of eugenics from the United States and applied it to Jews but America doesn't really like to remember that Mm. but that's the simple history that's the reality of what happened and we look back on it in horror and we're going to look back on this in horror in the future as well uh, if time is to last and if human beings are to retain some level of sanity. Mm. Okay, so uh, first up, you're not allowed to choose your gender or your orientation anymore. Choice is gone for LGBT plus people uh, or for anyone. Um, it's just if, if you want to choose something that you are apparently not, that's illegal. If you want to receive counselling for something that um, you've been diagnosed as not being, then that's illegal. If somebody diagnoses you as being female and you're like, no, I don't want to be female, I want to be male, then you're not allowed to get counselling to be that. Mm. It's just the most bizarre thing ever. You're not allowed to pray for a person regarding gender or orientation. If you have a gender or an orientation you don't want, you're you're not allowed to go somebody and say, hey, can you pray for me about this? You're not allowed to travel outside of Victoria and come up here and ask me to pray for you because I could go to jail for 10 years as a resident of New South Wales. Mm. You know, hey, I just would have put it out there. I'm happy to pray for anybody that they need prayer about. Yeah. It's just, you know, that's what Christians do. Um, 
Families are not allowed to speak or speak to or counsel their children regarding gender or orientation. You can't sit down with your family and with your children, have a conversation about gender or orientation um, and the feelings that they may or may not be having. You've just got to accept whatever your children say. You know, the Bible says that foolishness dwells in the heart of a child. And that's kind of the way it's supposed to be because adults are supposed to know more than children. Mm. And when you have children who are running the household, the household is foolishness. And we've all seen, I'm sure, many examples of that where children gain control of a household and they run the household and it just becomes bedlam. It just becomes insanity. Well, this is now what has been legislated in Victoria. Uh, you're not allowed to state a morally held position on gender or orientation. You can't even you can't even make a statement in relationship to that, a morally held position. I don't even know where to begin with talking about the insanity of this kind of legislation and uh, you know the absolute failure of the Liberal Party to form any kind of meaningful opposition to the Labor Party in Victoria. Mm. It is just... It'd be interesting to it see... Just, it just baffles my mind. Yeah, I was going to say, it's going to be interesting to see what... Um, um, how would I explain it? How many people go with personal conviction or not it about will. this? It will. it will. I'm not saying that we should be breaking laws, by the way. <laughs> and as Christians, we do kind of have this mandate... I don't want to say like anything on air that's too. <laughs> I'm, I'm just saying like if we if we believe in the power of prayer and we believe that's really important, it's not about you know keeping the law or not keeping the law. But it becomes a matter of conscience. Yes, absolutely. And it becomes a matter of your relationship with God and the level of care that you have for other people. Yeah, and the right to be able to provide care for other people who want care. Yeah, you know we're not we're not promoting anything here that is coercive no 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 christian is out there going saying we need to uh go out and uh round up you know everybody who's you know struggling with a different orientation or gender dysphoria or whatever it might be or not struggling it's probably the wrong word to use and force them to change mm. that's no, not that's what right. it's that's about what, yeah Christianity is all about freedom, freedom of choice. That is the foundational principle of Christianity because without freedom of choice, you do not have love. Love does not exist. Yeah, that's right. And if love does not exist, compassion does not exist. And this is what really disturbs me about this legislation is that compassion, there is no compassion, there is no room for compassion, there is no allowance for compassion anywhere in the legislation. Mm. It outlaws compassion. Yeah, and it roboticizes every human being. Yeah, everyone on either side of it. <laughs> yeah, it turns into robots unless you. And, and the bizarre thing about it is, you've got this very small group of ideological, ideologically driven people who have screamed down the opposition to the point where nobody is prepared to say anything about it because they are afraid of being labelled as being transphobic or homophobic or something like this. And, this, and that's just the most ridiculous argument ever. You're not transphobic or homophobic just because you disagree with a certain practice. Mm. You are one of those things if you don't like those people, and that's entirely different. 
to it's funny hey yeah the, how how many people are scared of being labeled something even if it's not true it's like oh but they might think that i'm like this how many times have you been in a conversation amongst a group of people and you've held your tongue oh yeah it's pretty easy to do yeah in the right in the right context yeah it's, it's very easy to do mm. and it goes to show just how powerful the vocal minority is in the screaming that they do in that there are so many times when we are tempted just to hold our tongue and not say anything Mm, yeah, it's true. Wow. Okay, so Senator Claire Chandler's got uh, an amazing piece in um, in the Australian, where she talks about the explosion in the number of children who are being prescribed uh, puberty blockers and uh, cross sex hormones. And she asks some really good uh, questions because across the board, pediatricians have become very alarmed by this. Mm. But once again, they've been shouted down into silence. And the only ones who are speaking up are those who are at the end of their careers and have nothing to lose. Shame, hey. And, and the, the ones who are speaking up are like, yeah, okay, we're at the end of our career. We we've got nothing to lose here, so we'll talk about it. But we understand why none of our colleagues will speak on this particular subject. There was a case in the UK against the uh, Tavistock uh, Gender Clinic in which, um, just miswriting the guy's name down, but uh, one of the expert witnesses, a psychiatrist from the United States, said there is no other field of medicine where such radical interventions are offered to children with such poor evidence base. Wow. Now, of course, the case went against the Tavistock Clinic because they couldn't provide any evidence or data to support the treatment of children with puberty blockers or um, cross-sex hormones as being beneficial. None. No data at all. That's crazy. Just ideology. Oh, my days. How does that happen? How do you get a toxic environment like that? You know, um, it's just... I'm out of time, but I'm only just getting started on this. I'm going to talk about it later. Uh You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM, positively different. Okay, so joining us on the phone this morning and hoping this works because uh, we had six separate systems, at least six separate systems that failed one after another as we were getting ready to put the show to air this morning. Um, Dr. Paul Wood, are you there? I am Miles. Good morning. Fantastic. We seem to be on air and it seems to be working. This is amazing. Um, Dr. Paul Wood, it's good to have you back on the show. And, of course, you're our medical doctor that we go to for uh, all things medical advice. Yesterday, and uh, I'm going to say still today, if you're living in the United States, is uh, World Cancer Day. And so um, I understand that today we're going to be talking about cancer. How big of a problem is this in Australia? Yeah, that's right, Lyle. So last year there was an estimated 150,000 people who were diagnosed with, uh, with, with cancer. And um, in 2019, we lost an estimated 50,000 people to cancer in Australia. Okay, so um, we've got 150,000 diagnosed, we've got 50,000 who died. So what's the, what's the actual survival rate then, then of, uh, of cancer? Yeah, so the good news is if we went back to the 1980s, the, the cancer survival rate was actually less than 50%, which isn't that flush when you think about it. But today... Um, the estimated survival rates around about 70%. Um, and that's, that's the people surviving for at least five years after a diagnosis. Uh, with some cancers, that survival rate can actually be as high as 90%. Okay, so what are some of the most common cancers that we are seeing in Australia? Yeah, the, probably the big five in Australia would be prostate cancer, which is one that's, I guess, perhaps under-recognised. Uh, breast cancer, bowel cancer, 
melanoma's being one, and um, also surprisingly lung cancer, despite the fact that um, smoking rates are dropping. What that's now that that one is interesting. Why are we still having such high rates of lung cancer, even though that you know we have one of the lowest smoking rates of anywhere in the world? Yeah, so obviously smoking is a big, it's a significant um, contributor to, to risk of lung cancer. But um, we still do see people who, who, who develop lung cancer that um, it's not smoking related, and um, it does seem that diets can play a, a certain role. But um, by far, the big one is actually smoking still. Sure, sure. Um, and, and I guess, you know, what have we got, 12%, 15% in some areas of uh, of people who are smoking and that's enough to certainly push that into the top five um, killers as far as cancer goes. Now, are our top five in Australia, is that reflected, you know, universally around the world or do different countries struggle with different kinds of cancers? Generally speaking, so... Whenever you sort of see that, I guess a, a Western Western type um, lifestyle, sort of I guess high in, in, in processed foods and high in meats, uh, lack of exercise, obesity, those kind of things, you tend to sort of see very similar kind of cancers. But I guess there will be some cancers like melanoma, for example, that um, Australia leads the way in. So I, I, I believe we're still the world leader when it comes to to diagnosis of melanoma globally. Right. Now, um, let's talk about uh, prevention of cancer because obviously, you know, the C word is one of those words you do not want to hear when you go to the doctor. Um, what are some of the things that we can do to prevent cancer? Um, you know, obviously, this is a lifestyle disease. So what lifestyle decisions can we make? Yeah, great question. So the World Cancer Research Fund actually have 10 key recommendations in regards to preventing cancer. And uh, perhaps I might just summarise those ten, and then we can flesh those out in more detail if we if we wish. But um, first one is to to be a healthy weight. Uh, secondly, be physically active. Um, next is to eat a diet um, high in whole grain, vegetables, fruits, and beans. Uh, limiting fast foods is the next recommendation, uh, followed by limiting red and processed meat. And then we have limiting sugar, sweetened drinks, limiting alcohol consumption. Um, not using supplements for cancer prevention. And uh, they also mentioned that um, for mums who, uh, or who are babies, um, breastfeeding is a great way to help prevent uh, cancer as well. And finally, if you've been diagnosed with cancer, all these recommendations still um, apply or, or if you're a cancer survivor. That, 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 well, some of those last ones there, I, I just want to come back to that breastfeeding one. That's actually fascinating. So uh, breastfeeding a baby can actually help protect you from cancer? Absolutely. So, in particular, breast cancer, and um, it actually seems well. The more the more babies you have, and the longer you breastfeed, the greater the protection. And um, there's probably a, a couple of mechanisms at play, but one does seem to be that uh, ladies who breastfeed tend to have lower body mass indexes, in other words, a lower body weight. And um, there's a correlation between obesity and risk of type two diabetes. But um, the other interesting thing too is that um, breastfed babies tend to be less overweight or obese as well, which also sets them up for lower rates of, of cancer themselves can attract given that obesity can be a, a risk factor for cancer. So breastfeeding then protects both the mother and the child to some extent Absolutely. from cancer. That's amazing. That's right. And, and you mentioned the correlation there with type 2 diabetes. Would it be correct to say that uh, breastfeeding is in some way a protection against type, a, a level of protection against type 2 diabetes? Yeah. Given that obesity is, you know, directly related to risk of diabetes, that's, that's true. Okay, so maybe we can. Um, 
I mean, you've, you, you've run through a whole bunch of uh, different things there. Maybe we pro- we can go back to the start of that list and work our way through. Um, before I do, are there are there some societies or some cultures or some regions in the world where the rates of cancer are very, very low? Or is this just universal to the human race? It, it, to a certain extent, it is universal to the human race, but it, it's estimated that around about probably a third of cancers that we know of um, are, are potentially preventable. So... Um, I, I guess there are cultures in the world, not many of them now, but who, who are still following largely traditional diets where they're sort of, you know, they're moving more, they're eating predominantly plant-based eating patterns, um, alcohol's not part of their lifestyle so much, um, and the very low rates of smoking. In, in these kind of cultures, we do tend to see lower rates of cancer, uh, but there's not many of those cultures that can find these days. Mm, indeed. Um, going back to our list, you started that list off by talking about a, having a healthy weight um, when you put this list together, or actually, I think it was the um, World Cancer Cancer Research Fund, is this in a particular order? Is um, controlling our weight is that the biggest thing that we can do in preventing cancer? Yeah, I don't know that they listed these in order of, of um, I guess, impact in terms of what you can do to prevent cancer. But but certainly, when you look at um, obesity or overweight. It's actually connected to at least 12 different cancers. Um, so I guess when you think about it that way, it is a it is a leading cause of cancer. And these include cancers like breast, like bowel cancer, pancreatic cancer, um, ovarian cancer, prostate cancer. So a lot of the, a lot of the common killers, uh, but also some lesser known ones like um, laryngeal cancer, for example. Yeah, right. Um, so with, uh, okay, so, so you know, being overweight and this kind of thing, you know, some people, you know, different bodies have different metabolisms and I know some people who put weight on looking at a uh, leaf of lettuce and, and other people, you know, like myself that kind of struggle to put weight on. Um, for someone like me who struggles to put weight on, do I have natural protection against cancer? Because I can pretty much eat anything and I'm just going to stay s- slim. Yeah, but to, to, to a certain extent. Um, one one way to sort of look at it, because we all have different frame sizes, so one way to look at it is actually measure your waist circumference. And um, your waist circumference is actually a really good indicator as to whether you might be overweight or obese, because there are some people who look to be lean, and yet um, as, a, as, a, as a ratio of their height, their waist is actually quite, quite large. So if you take your waist and aim for the waist circumference that's less than half your height, that's probably as rough guide as a good waist for you. So Lyle, yeah, measure your height, um, and um, if your waist circumference is less than half that, you're probably you're probably on track um, as a rough rule of thumb, at least in terms of weight. I'm going to call it that I'm on track. <laughs> yeah. uh, what do you reckon, Minnie? Yeah, look, I don't think you have any problems with being any sort of overweight. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to call it that I'm on track, but that's not because of... I mean, it is because of good eating and, and, and so forth, but, um, you know, hey, I do have that metabolism. My whole family has that metabolism, and uh, regardless of lifestyle. Um, moving on to being physically active, um, what kind of cancers is this one particularly related to? Yeah, so the, the, the three in this case that we have evidence for is uh, breast cancer, bowel cancer, and endometrial cancer. So endometrial cancer is the, the cancer of the lining of the womb. And um, we know that exercise is protective against these three cancers. So what the, uh, the World Cancer um, Research Fund recommends is, is that we aim for at least 150 minutes of exercise a week 
and that's a moderate intense exercise. Um, or if you're a bit of a jogger, um, 75 minutes per week of vigorous intensity exercise. Right. And um, when we talk about, you know, being physically active, that's got to do with um, bowel cancer and so forth. Is that is that because being physically active helps us to be more regular and being irregular in bowel movements is a, is a bad thing for cancer? Would that be, have something to do with um, exercise? Yeah, absolutely. There's, there's a correlation between what we call gut transit times, in other words, how long it takes the food to go from your mouth to the toilet bowl, and, um, and risk of, of things like bowel cancer or, or diverticular disease or hemorrhoids, all these kind of, of diseases for bowel. So, yeah, the... the the more regular you are, the lower your risk of, of, of bowel cancer. And look, that's, it's a probably a, a similar mechanism that plays to breast cancer and endometrial cancers as well because we know that um, when you have a faster gut transit time, you tend to have lower estrogen levels. And um, estrogen is a, is a driver um, in many breast cancers and endometrial cancer as well. Mm, mm. Okay, so uh, moving on from there, we've got... Uh um, eating our fruit and veggies. Uh, this is something that has been we've talked about for like ever. And I think uh, I, I would like to think that most people actually know that this is, you know, a really important thing to do to, um, you know, promote any all kind of healthy lifestyle uh, issues, but particularly in relationship to cancer. In your work as a doctor, is it is it well known that you know eat your fr- fruit and veggies is going to be good for your health? Yeah, it, 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 it varies. I, I think among uh, more well-educated people, that's, that's the case, but um, probably still in some of the communities in our region that, that um, I guess, um, have a lower socioeconomic profile and lower-income communities, that there's still a bit of work to be done in terms of improving knowledge about that. Um, but, you know, this, this is a significant risk factor for cancer, but also many other diseases, think diabetes, think heart disease, for example, um, I guess the, the greatest way to research behind eating more whole grains, vegetables, fruits and beans is in relation to bowel cancer, but also probably indirectly in relation to those other weight-related cancers as well, given that um, having a high-fiber diet tends to be associated with lower body weight, given that fiber, I guess, fills you up, but at the end of the day, there's not many, well, there are no calories in fiber, so it's, I guess it's satiating, it's filling, but you're not actually swallowing many calories, so... When, you, when you're majoring these um, plant-based foods, you're eating foods that, in essence, have a low caloric density but a high nutrient density. And it's those, those high nutrient density type diets that tend to be protected against um, things like cancer. Sure. Uh, Dr. Paul Wood, it's been amazing having you on the show this morning. We didn't get time to really dig into uh, fast foods, red and processed meat. Uh, sugar-sweetened drinks and alcohol consumption. But unfortunately, we are out of time and we're going to move on. This is uh, Daryl Sawyer with The Saviour Is Waiting. Thanks for being a part of the Faith FM family. Join our community on Facebook or get in touch at 1-800-FAITH-FM.